Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View Wrap. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong and on the phone by Jeff Howie from the SGX. Guys, it's been a really interesting week. I know usually when I throw out the word interesting, I get eye rolls, but it has been. Hard to imagine really that it was only last week that the SDI briefly touched uh, 2,600 points and now we're skating around 25. A bit, a bit of a head scratcher too, isn't it? Uh, unfortunately, we are in the green again again today and the Straits Times Index is finally seeing some gains. They're up by about half a percent, rising to 2,540 points. But this snaps what uh, seem, this comes at the end, tail end of a week where, we, where we're coming off of a four-day losing streak where the Straits Times Index was seeing slight, taking slight steps back. Mm. I kind of liken this to coming out of a four-day bender mm-hmm. for the most part. And it seems that, that uh, single man and and, and and folks are looking for at least and it's this is pretty much the proverbial STI saying give me a cup of coffee I need to wake up and get out of and, and get myself up and get themselves up they're do that that is what they're doing two thousand five hundred and forty rising by half a percent um value turnover a bit, a bit more normalized I would say five hundred and twenty million Singapore dollars in total trades changing hands two hundred thirty three stocks reach and trust in the green one hundred twenty in the red the rest of the region also looking cautiously optimistic and fairly decent. The Nikkei 225's up by 0.4% out in Japan. You do have the ASX 200 Australia, one of the few losers today, but the Sydney benchmark down under, just trimming about four points off its register. So it's just it's down by just about a tenth of a percent. Um, the South Korean KOSPI and the Taiwan Weighted Stock Exchange coming back and recovering from those losses they saw yesterday when both indices fell by more than 3%. Those semiconductor stocks in Taiwan and South Korea, these are the two countries which arguably which are considered heavyweights in terms of uh, producing semiconductors and microchips. They took a bit of a nosedive on, on fears that if the U.S. begins to uh, to impose more sanctions and more restrictions and keeping suppliers of Huawei from accessing or pr- producing um, supplies using U.S. technology, then they might be forced to choose between uh, be- between uh, both uh, su- both economic superpowers. I think both the. Uh, both uh, indices today are at least recovering just a just a little just a little bit. They're both up by more than two percent each. Shanghai up by zero point eight percent. Shenzhen also trading about one point five percent higher, and the Hang Seng also in the green, rising by one point four percent. So, what's really keeping uh, markets uh, afloat today? Well, it could also be because Wall Street closed in the green, but although it wasn't entirely convincing for the S and P five hundred and the Dow Jones it was index, all about Nasdaq. It really was all about the Nasdaq, and I think this is the one thing that uh, this is the only thing that uh, some. Some analysts and strategists are actually pointing out is that the tech stocks are once again perhaps just dragging us, kicking and screaming higher so far. Um, Nasdaq has risen by rose by about one point one percent. Just to put into context, I saw I read something very interesting actually today. Um, the Telegraph in the London actually pointed out that with Apple closing in on two billion U.S. dollars in total market cap or market valuation, they are now within striking distance or approaching the entire market value of the entire FTSE 100 in London. How about that one stock becoming as big as one major equity benchmark in the world? And you also have Tesla continuing to rise two thousand dollars a share. Remember, they're going to do a five for one stock split pretty soon. Um, but at this rate, if you want to get uh, any shares post stock split, that's probably going to cost you four hundred U.S. 
US dollars, which is still not by any sense. So it gets it gets more pricey, I think, for Tesla moving forward. But again, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Why tech stocks and why this is getting favored? Perhaps it's because many are trying to bet that if there is a new normal, we're going to have to look for wellsprings of innovation. It's going to have to come from this particular space. And I think that's what at least Boeing, at least propping up markets so far today. But the question is, is that a little bit lopsided? Is it a bit imbalanced if if the tech stocks are the one of the only engines that are really driving markets across the world? But at least, you know, today, at least the, uh, the uh, Straits Times index here, taking a sigh of relief up by about half a percent. Jeff, tell the yes. truth. You did roll your eyes when you read that big tech was doing so well on NASDAQ yesterday because, you know, she all has those a camera billi- in your room. You, you, you all that, those Jeff. billionaires really need to make more money. Oh, trillionaires. <laughs> uh, you know, two, two tri- Apple with two trillion market cap means it's two and a half percent of the global market value of the whole. Right. Stock so, market. you know, they really needed to make more money yesterday. But interesting that a lot of the swings in the month of August, uh, just looking beyond the last week we've had, it's all COVID-19 related. You know, that the SDI has been, I guess, comparatively muted. I mean, as you said, uh, last this time last week, we were up near the 2600 level. So, so we pretty much picked up exactly where we ended last week, 25.80. And then very tight trading for the first three days, down to 25.50, and had that intra-week low yesterday, 25.10, but so far has moved up to the high 25.40. So all in all, uh, comparatively muted. I think Hong Kong land's been the strongest of the STI stocks this week. Uh, Wilmar, obviously, the least strongest, and uh, I'll exp- you know we can explain that in a little while. Um, but you've had some gainers like SG Engineering, Taibev, and and so forth. But the key thing is, I think 10-year yields are exactly where they were at the end of June. US dollar index, it's, it is coming off, but it's, it's at levels it was in June 2018, two years ago. Key thing is gold remains above uh, 1,900 US dollars an ounce. And the volatility in the recent weeks, it has been in that segment of the market that has performed better this year, tech as well as health and gold. So, um, you, you know, case in point, the high for uh, gold has been a little over 2000 US dollars an ounce. I think it was $2,075 an ounce back on the 7th of August. Then to a low uh, of around $1,860 US around on the 12th, 12th of August. So quite a bit of choppiness there. And then, and then back to um, you know back to back to around that nineteen hundred level, and we saw exactly the same thing with our big healthcare stocks. So, uh, Top Glove, uh, it made a high of nine dollars fifty five on seventh of August. Lo and behold, seventeen August down just below seven dollars, back above nine dollars now. Riverstone, it had a high of around four dollars ninety on seventh of August, um, and then down to three fifty two on eighteenth of August, but back at four twenty one now. And then we've seen that similar. I guess that engine of the of the trading, as as JP was saying, in the tech as well, Keppel D3 REIT, it's been amongst the world's 20 best performing REITs this year in the 2020 year today. But it's also seen a bit of volatility. It went up to its high of three dollars and nine cents on 6th of August, down to two dollars eighty seven on 12th August, and back to two ninety three now. So. Um, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of focus on the COVID-19 related stocks, the stocks that I guess have been more defensive. And we've seen uh, uh, short-term traders take some risk with these uh, healthcare players and these tech players, but at the same time, uh, diversifying away some of that risk in, in gold ETFs and so forth. But still, healthcare stocks, they continue to pop up. Um, Vicplas is, is an example of one that uh, has, is amongst our top five traded stocks today last time I looked and it it, it uh, 
you know, it's 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 just finished its full its financial year for 2020. I think it was the end of July, so that would make it uh, due to report its full year numbers in September. But its medical device components, um, it was it was three years ago. It was 30% of its revenue with its uh, distribution, manufacturing of piping systems, making up the remainder. But in the first half of 2020, which was for the uh, semi-annual period ending 31st of January, its medical device components was 63% of the revenue, so doubling and increasing something like 68% from the first half of 2019. And it has, you know, basically it has in the past, it it had much of its medical devices segment attributed to one customer and a family of products, but it has over the years broadened the range of customers in different locations as well as, um, I guess, uh, rolling out more segments within its medical industry products such as airway management, um, you know, drug delivery, vascular respiratory systems and so forth. And that's been definitely one of the, those healthcare movers that we've observed this week. But, you know, um, as I said too, Thai Beverage had a record trading day as well. If you go back to when it first listed on 30th of May 2006, it had that was when it had its highest volume ever up until Monday this week where it had its highest volume ever as well as its highest trading turnover day uh, as well with something like 3% of the outstanding shares changing hands in a married deal. Now, we, we can't kind of see who it is because if it was a director who had uh, taken one side of that trade, it would have been filed in the corporate announcement pages under a Form 1. It wasn't, um, so it's likely to be a, a institutional shareholder, but all the institutional shareholders of uh, Thai Beverage have shareholdings that are less than 5%, so we can't actually see who changed the hands because it's only when you have a substantial shareholding above 5% and that, that substantial shareholding crosses over a 1% threshold that the companies are obliged to report it. I think the highest institutional investor that we could last uh, gather based on the filings was uh, the capital group of companies. You know, Jeff, I'm just having a private giggle here by myself because I wasn't listening to you. (laughs) No, I was. I was. But I'm still having a private giggle because yesterday overnight, uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Index closed with uh, one of the big decliners being Dow itself. Right now, I'm looking at one of the big advances on the SDI, and it happens to be the SGX. Total non sequitur, but, you know, I just thought that was funny. Well, read the uh, the SBH reported this morning about our tie-up with FTSE Russell. And FTSE Russell, uh, you know, obviously a big global index provider. And, of course, they have, uh, you know, we're in a partnership with FTSE Russell and SBH in the publication of our STI and the promotion of our STI, as well as um, the broader FTSE Singapore indices. And FTSE Russell have uh, been the index provider to always tout uh, the Singapore stocks as pretty much, uh, consistently the highest dividend-paying index across APAC. All right, we did say that we were going to touch on Wilmar. We should probably do that now. JP set stage. Well, yeah, you know, Wilmar International today, let's see, just bringing up their share price if uh, you give me some time to Because they were they one are, of the big decliners yesterday. Yes, and today they are once again the bit most heavily traded offer in the entire SGX, but this time to the upside. No, they haven't recovered that 10% decline mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. made, but they are up by about 1.8% today, trading at $4.40 
44 cents a piece. As, as we, we probably hinted a while ago, you know, Wilmar International, Archer Daniels Midland, has decided to sell a significant stake. They currently hold, as of March 24, a 24% stake, roughly, in Wilmar, in Wilmar International. And the plan was to trim it to at least 20%, or at the most, at the most 20%, to try and raise about 800 million U.S. dollars to help fund some of the capital expenditures and possibly fund a share buyback plan out there. So, you know, it's not so much that Wilmar International has suddenly uh, seen the floor taken out from underneath them, naturally. Wilmar International, as we've noted, actually, in recent uh, earnings periods, has actually impressed because of the demand for foodstuffs and grains during the COVID-19 pandemic with people stockpiling food, and also because they have this upcoming the upcoming IPO of their Chinese unit out of the Shenzhen Bourse, which could lead to even more upside for Wilmar. Look, this isn't so much a Wilmar qu- issue. I think this could be the bigger question really is what, what why did Ar- uh, why did the, the folks at uh, Archer Daniels Midland, why did they need to raise this ca- amount of cash? Why do they need to do a share buyback? Why do they need to start to buffer and uh, start to fund some of these capital expenditures out there? Regardless of how well a company is doing, if you are in need of cash, you will need to free up some of that liquidity and you might as well trim some of those stakes. Perhaps that's what went through the minds of Archer Daniels Midland. So, in fact, some might even argue that this has now created an interesting pre- uh, entry point for Wilmar International. But as always, do your research, see if this is a company you want to get into. But right now, the price is cheaper than it was, uh, significantly cheaper than it was, and could actually uh, 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 create some very interesting entry points for people who have been trying to get in on, on some of that Wilmar love. Jeff, there were there have been a lot of analysts who are saying this is a very short-term thing and it's not in the long term going to affect Wilmar prices in the least bit. Do so you agree with that statement? Well, but, but, this, but the thing is, I think it's, it, it's, it's even simpler than that. I mean, even as investors, we all kind of profit take, don't we? Mm. And, and and you look at the price of Wilmar this year, uh, up onto the close on Wednesday, it was up 22% in 2020 which is uh, outlier and hence uh, with the with the reduction in its share you know it's it's still it was it's still Wilmar's um, it was still it was Wilmar's biggest shareholder I think to, uh, up to 25% was its outstanding um, interest in the company uh, going into this trade so it's still very very high um, shareholding it's, it's obviously trimmed some of that position and it could be on on the basis of uh, of the performance and and making use, you know, proactive capital management is more important now uh, than anything. And uh, and that could be, you know, it could be that simple. It's been such an interesting week this week. Is there going to be another interesting week ahead of us next week? Hmm. Well, I think one thing we're going to be looking out for internationally is that uh, the Jackson Hole Symposium is going to be held by the Kansas City Fed. Now, this is usually the time when everybody, all these bigwigs from, from across the global finance world, head to Jackson Hole, Wyoming because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It'll be interesting to see how they hold this first virtual Jackson Hole Symposium. But a number of, uh, of uh, monetary officials and, fis- and uh, policymakers will be attending also. And we'll be, seeing, uh, w- we'll be looking out for any clues from them and looking out for what their outlook might be on the global economy. In terms of earnings, we have SATs releasing earnings on Monday before the markets uh, open here in Singapore. And on Friday, there's going to be a lot of interesting earnings releases from mainland China because the big three um, uh, airlines, Air China, China Southern, China Eastern, they'll be releasing their most recent updates. And also you'll have uh, some of the some of China's largest banks like ICBC and the, and the China Construction Bank, for one, releasing their earnings. So you'll, we'll probably be get, getting a lot of possible, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
signals or perhaps a, uh, or perhaps a, a context clues as to how China's economy is doing as they try to recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay, and look at your crystal ball and guys and tell me, do you think we'll come up with a stimulus package in the U.S.? <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely quite possible. I mean, the, the uh, U.S. election headlines are, are obviously taking the cake at the moment. That's that's where we're watching. But, uh, yeah, you, you, I, I would hope it's more structural. Uh, you know, I think we're at a time now where uh, it's not just money. And, and is structural, structural initiatives are really important too. And we saw that this week with ourselves. Obviously, um, with the $8 billion of stimulus taking our total spend, I think, to a little over 100 billion Singapore dollars, you know, that the key thing is it's it's going to be supporting jobs and, and trying to create as many new employment opportunities as we can um, and really focusing and targeting the sectors that have been hit the hardest. And, and of course, you know, SATS reports Monday morning. So so that will provide a good, uh, you know, beachhead for, for the week. And then, um, you know, obviously try, trying to seize every growth opportunity we can. Uh, I think um, the type of... Uh, yeah, structural initiatives uh, rather than uh, fiscal stimulus and uh, and obviously the extraordinary loose monetary policy um, really have to come to the fray now, like the job support scheme that we've got here in Singapore, which, as we saw, extended for another seven months to March 2021. All right. And on that note, this has been Market View Wrap on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero, joined in the studio by finance presenter JP Ong and on the phone by Jeff Howie from the SGX. More news to come up ahead. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.